Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. We are on episode 17 of season five of Cheers, which is the second of our two-parter. It's Never Love a Goalie, part two. It was written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on February 5th of 1987. Carla has been dating hockey goalie Eddie Lebeck, who's been in a slump since he started dating Carla. Now, everyone, including Carla, but with the possible exceptions of Sam and Eddie, think that Carla is a jinx. The murder trial, for which Diane is the foreman of the jury, ends unexpectedly and abruptly, but Diane has another chance to witness the plaintiff and the defendant when they come to cheers for a drink after the trial. This teaser, it's, it's interesting. It's just Sam listening to his answering machine messages in his office. Mm-hmm. The first one is from Carla. She's going to be late because she's comforting Eddie. And she says it can take, what was it, like seven or eight hours? It was some <laughs> ungodly amount of time that she's <laughs> yeah. going to be late. And the second call is from Diane, who's on jury duty. And she leaves a long message. So this is sort of a comment on <laughs> Diane's behavior in the last episode, I think. Because she's just mm-hmm. talking on and on about it. And Sam fast forwards it. And you can hear the tape squeaking like in the old answering machine messages as he keeps fast forwarding. And stops and listens. She's still talking. Keeps fast forwarding. So the next call, she says at the end, she says, I love you. Bye. Or something like that. So the next call is from Woody. And Woody calls to say that Diane called after Sam left and wanted Woody to give him a me- give Sam a message. There's a pause. He says, I love you. And then Woody ends with bye. <laughs> so Sam's just kind of like leafing through some papers as he's listening to this. So Woody calls back to clarify that it was Diane saying I love you and not him, Woody. (laughs) So Sam's kind of casually paying attention to this. So Woody calls a third time. (laughs) At this point, Sam stops looking through his paperwork as he listens to Woody's third message. Woody says, don't misunderstand me. I really like you a lot. And he hangs (laughs) up. And so Sam goes on reading and Woody calls for the fourth time. And Sam by this point is smiling, which I love. I like that he's just so bemused by this. Mm -hmm. And in the message when he says, I've been thinking it over, Sam. I do love you. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam smiles and goes back to mm-hmm. reading through his papers. I really like this. I've, I, the first two, Carla and Diane, are just kind of acquainting people with what's happened in the previous episode. And I think it's a clever way to do that, just to kind of give you a little hint of it through an answering machine message. Right. And But I like that rather than ending with that, they had the whole thing with Woody and that Sam isn't, I don't know, I can just see most people that were listening to answering machine messages and someone's called four times, but God, just be exasperated. But he's just so like fond of him, you know, that you can just <laughs> smiles at the end. I really like that. I really like this one too. Yeah. For everything you said, ditto. It was, it was really sweet. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start the episode. Uh, Cliff is asking Norm about doing his taxes. And Norm says, sure, he'll do it. And Cliff says, he'll need help going through the new tax laws. And Norm says, what new tax laws? So <laughs> Cliff decides to maybe take his taxes elsewhere. And I wondered if Norm was pretending to not know mm. that there are new laws in order to get out of doing the taxes. Because that seems like something that Norm would cleverly come up with on the fly like that. He would come up with that. Yeah. That's a possibility. I, I, I wondered that myself, but it also seemed completely believable that he might not immediately realized that there were new tax laws. <laughs> to be fair, how much does he actually work? You know? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true, I guess. But I don't, it's, it's open. It could be open both, though. Yeah, absolutely. 
So then they're discussing hockey, and Cliff says that the Bruins are playing Gretzky and Edmonton. <laughs> this is another chance to see Eddie come on in and bring your puck, Lebec. Kind of Cliff at his negative finest. He's gotten some good insults in on Eddie. And then Sam says to give Eddie a break. So Sam's sticking up for him. Norm says Eddie's in a major slump. And Cliff says that he's going into his research now. He says statistics show that slumps can be grouped into four categories. And he goes through the percentages as well of physical, emotional, psychological, and dental <laughs> slumps. So I liked that they gave Cliff a little bit of trivia. Cause it seems like it's been a while since he's gotten any of that. Right. Yeah. It has. We used. To, I felt like we got a lot of that earlier Early, on, and, yeah. and I remember watching that and thinking, it's been a while since we've had those random asides with him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. We're at the court now. The jury files into the deliberation room, talking about how long the trial is taking. So it's all the other jurors. And then Diane comes in, and she's a little bit late. She said that she was conferring with the court reporter over the testimony. She has been keeping her own copy <laughs> of the notes. Just to make sure that everything is reported properly and that it was like it has notes on like emotion and all these other subjective mm-hmm. criteria about the the uh, testimony thus far. So the jury clearly is exasperated with Diane. It seems like she's using her foremanship to control them a little bit. And they also just seem not very interested in doing the work. Several of the jurors have already decided that the defendant is innocent and they have want to kind of get it over with. And they all have rather shallow reasons. I think one of them said he was well-dressed, and the other one was like, well, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> you know? yeah. so they're, they're not really paying attention, I guess, to the, the uh, fact pre- presentation in the courtroom. Diane thinks he's guilty, but then Diane kind of thinks he's guilty because she's comparing that relationship of the defendant and his wife to her relationship <laughs> Sam. with Sam, whom she describes as having the same disarming brand of charm as the defendant and then there's something about one of the other jurors says like so you're marrying a murderer uh-huh and then another juror is just it looks like he's about to just be as tired as he could possibly be he's like no don't stop or let her do it yeah yes i loved i loved how everyone just like does not like her i mean because you can just imagine how it's been right up to this point and yeah, so well, I, I really enjoyed everyone's reactions to her. Yeah, well, we've seen it in the bar where people are open, openly free to leave, and it's yeah. a you know open environment, and she's driving them nuts, like telling them all the things that she can or can't tell them about the trial. Mm-hmm. And imagine being in a room <laughs> with her talking, you know, and getting yes. it out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So can I can I point something out here? Yeah. So um, we on our many episodes we point out the um, abundance of appearances from a older blonde lady who mm-hmm. is frequently an extra. She, so part one of this episode, um, she was sitting at a table with a man, and that was when um, Diane was talking about, well, what, what, what is attempted murder? Do they have to, mm-hmm. she, she was, you know, talking about all this. That woman was there. That woman is on the jury. That woman <laughs> walked in and was the first woman in this room, this scene right here. There should, by this point, when you really stop and think about it, wouldn't that be grounds for a mistrial? Two yeah. jurors outside the confines of a jury room talking about a case together. Oh, that's true. If don't juries you don't jurors usually have to like self isolate? You I know, think, I and, think it depends and, on the case. I don't think you're supposed to talk about the trial though. Right. Yeah. I don't think so. I, also, I know not with like the okay. press, but I, I don't know. If it was her, the blonde lady, because Diane wasn't talking to her in part one as though she was a member of the jury. That's She's true. To her like she was just they like any an innocent person that got caught up in Diane's right. obsession with the trial. So, but she's in the jury. She, she's she's in the jury, and so I'm just again That's obviously she's an extra. 
Andy, calm down. I know, but <laughs> she, you know, she's an extra. It's so much she's, fun because she does. She's turn supposed up to be right. She's places. supposed to be two different characters here, right? Yeah. Basically, I, I don't think they intentionally did this, but I notice her all the time now. She's always in the bar, always at a different table with someone, and I just really thought it was pretty bold that they used her in the jury. And yeah, thought we wouldn't notice. I noticed. <laughs> See, I, oh, that's interesting, though, because I noticed a part when they're in a moment when they're about to walk out the door. And I was like, is that her? Is that the same blonde lady? And then I looked and I was like, oh, I don't think so. But I didn't notice her walking in. So I'll have to go and, and see that. But I mean, I believe you because we've seen her in the telethon that Diane did last season. She's answering a phone in the background. She was in Young Dr. Weinstein. She's eating dinner at the table in the background, I think with Phil, but it's definitely her. Mm-hmm. And then she was at the Boston Boppers, the dance reunion, when Carla and Eddie <laughs> yes. ended up dancing together, and Sam, like, it was Carla and Sam and Nick and Loretta. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And she's there. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, everywhere. She's it's what I'm yes. saying. She's her stalker. But yes, I'm, so there goes my ongoing obsession with her, but I just, I thought that was a very interesting point, that they're on the jury together, and, but anyway. And then, well, there's a point coming up later in the bar, I think, that you had noted that I'm sure we'll get to. She comes back. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's in the bar again. Yep. (laughs) With the couple. So, well, so what happens next that will lead into that is the bailiff comes in the jury room to announce that the plaintiff has dropped the charges. Diane is disappointed. She wants to talk to the plaintiff. (laughs) Like she's going (laughs) to somehow reverse this decision. Uh Um, Everyone else wants to leave. They're all filing out. And then Diane kind of changes her tack, and she's like, where are you guys going afterwards? You know, she, which she wants to be part of it. I just think that's, it's a little bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. funny, but it's, she's sort of found some sort of bond with them, even though you know she's driven them crazy the entire time. All right. So at Cheers, Cliff is saying that Eddie is a bum, and it's as Carla is coming to the bar to order two drafts, and she asks, who's a bum? And Woody says, <laughs> Woody, he says, Eddie. <laughs> And then Normad's Fisher, Eddie Fisher. He hasn't had a hit record in a while. <laughs> that was really funny, quick thinking, I thought. Mm-hmm. So Carla admits Eddie's had a run of bad games, but he's going to turn it around. She says it's a full moon on an even number day and an even numbered month. And there are a couple other things, too, that just made this a propitious day for Eddie's hockey game. So she moves away. Cliff says his suggestion is that Carla is jinxing Eddie. Uh, Sam does not like that. He doesn't believe in superstition. And I think he's also sensitive to Carla's happiness. So he doesn't want this kind of talk going on about her being a jinx to Eddie. And he asked Frazier to confirm his opinion. Frazier said that, you know, Eddie's very superstitious. So if he believes that Carla is a jinx, then it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Diane comes in and she's disappointed the trial ended in the fashion that it did. And she asks, she's talking about it. And she asks, how can a man, rhetorically, I might add, ask how a man can tell a woman that he loves her and then try to kill her. But Sam responds and says, I can see it. Uh We can all see it. (laughs) Yeah, Everybody in the bar can see it. That was funny. (laughs) So Norman Cliff thinks Sam should tell Carla that she's a jinx. Sam says that they are going to draw straws. And he says something about their... For whoever gets the short straw, there's a position at a boys' choir in Vienna for that person <laughs> after they tell Carl. So Norm draws the short straw, and Woody was like, oh, no, I've never been to Europe. <laughs> doesn't get it. I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. funny. I mean, it's not like a super unique joke, but I thought that that was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Norm approaches Carla starts into you know awkwardly have this conversation, and she cuts him off and asks if he thinks she could be jinxing Eddie. And he's like, that's silly. No way. And then 
walks away. He's like, thank you, God. <laughs> back to his bar stool. Hmm. That, was really, that was a good norm moment. He just wants to go back and sit down. <laughs> Anything to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Eddie comes in, he's depressed, and he asks what Sam did to get himself out of slumps when he was pitching. And Sam says he drank himself into a coma. Woody, of course, asks if that worked. Did it work? Right. Oh, right. Lord. Um, and Carla's telling Eddie tonight's his night, and she says there's an explanation for this slump. They're going to figure this out. And she asks what the last game was that he had won. It was the Canadians game, which was the night they met. And it was just the next game that things went bad. And Eddie still is not putting together that this has anything to do with Carla or that, that she, Carla thinks that or anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. So Eddie says he hasn't changed anything and like, except for one thing and he kisses her again. So he's, I mean, obviously not thinking of her as a jinx. Carla goes from this like happy, supportive person to, you know, telling him to beat it, to get out, that things were working, they're not working so well anymore, all of this. Mm-hmm. Eddie is understandably confused, but he leaves. So Carla says if Eddie loses, it's not her fault. He can stink just as bad without me as he stunk with me. <laughs> this is one scene that comes to mind. I think at the beginning of the first part, I said, you, you really get a lot of meat to her character here. And you yeah. get a wide range of emotions from young puppy love crush all yeah. the way to this sort of desperation about she really believes that she is going to cost him his career, basically. You have a pretty wider range, a a wide array of performances from her, Mm -hmm. but it really, it's very, to me, I found it all very convincing. She feels very vulnerable and then very disappointed. So I don't know. I just thought uh, Rhea Perlman did a great job with this, with these episodes. It's interesting too, because like you said, it goes from puppy love and then there's this, all of this doubt and self-doubt and then she's on top of the world, but it's still with this underpinning of self-doubt because it's about somebody else that's sort of elevating her. And then she's at some points kind of angry, like, well, the whole, like, he can stink just as bad with him. She's sort of like realistic, but angry. And then there's a point at which she's almost letting some of that go for the benefit of his career. So there's sort of a, like a little bit of the maturation of emotion as well in there. Right. I think she did a good job with it. She did a good job, but it kind of kept it in the range of Carla, which is in itself a good job in being in character. Right. It doesn't really like drive the character in new directions emotionally. It kind of keeps it all within her emotional range, but it really does kind of go through that full range, I think. Right. It doesn't feel like, oh, the char- they're writing a new kind of character. They're making something do that right. we'd never see her or do before. Had- it all seems very right. plausible. Yeah. yeah. So they're watching the game. Eddie is playing great against Gretzky. And I do remember vaguely a time, like around this time, when Wayne Gretzky was the formidable hockey player there. So that was kind of the fun nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Carla doesn't want to know about it. This is perhaps my favorite part of the episode. Frazier is watching at the table with Norman Cliff, I think. And he yells about a referee's penalty call. <laughs> he calls that slashing. And Norm mentions that the players like nearly cut like another player in half. And Fraser's like, ticky tack, it's a wussy call. Let the guys play the game. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> the, let the guys play the game. That was the, <laughs> the best. Fraser's just this like, hockey enthusiast. Not even enthusiast, because that sounds too formal almost. But he's just this rough and ready just <laughs> hockey fan, as though he's been following it his whole life and has been right. into these rough and tumble things. You know, right. but it's completely believable that he's really into it. But I just like yeah. how much of a he's become almost like more one of the guys than the guys for uh, this. Yeah, you know, like Norm's like, well, he did nearly cut the other player in half, and she's like, that's just part of the game. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's great. I love how 
in, in different scenes he can kind of facilitates between you know the psychiatrist like, I am you Dr. know Fraser Crane yes yeah. that, I can explain what this is but, and then and then he's you know they're a bunch of wusses yes exactly exactly yeah I love that so Diane approaches she has a, a table we've mentioned that she usually is sitting at the end of the bar but she is working right now so she approaches her table and she recognizes the couple from the trial mm. the husband and wife so the husband did you notice that he's played by Brent Spiner? That was the... No, I didn't. As far as I know, most well-known for, was it Star Trek, The Next Generation? Yes. He's yeah, Dana. yeah. I didn't okay. realize like that was him. Famous. That's him. Oh, man. I recognize the face. I didn't watch... I didn't watch The Next Generation. I've seen a few episodes, but I didn't watch it. But it's kind of one of those people that you just know that character <laughs> yeah. you know, in the yeah, culture. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is Brent Spiner who played Data. Huh. And he asked why Diane wasn't at the party that the jury threw for him. And talks about, like, I can't believe they would have had it without you. Which, at that point, that made me sort of sad for Diane that she was excluded. And they don't go on with that, or she doesn't get upset. But I just, I don't know. I didn't like that. I mean, I, mm. it's not the real world, of course. <laughs> I didn't For the story. You felt it personally, didn't you? I did. For the story, <laughs> no, I, I didn't like. I felt empathy for Diane that she was not included in this. I didn't think right. that was right. Even though she was annoying. But then he talks about how she seems so attractive and intelligent and so forth. So Diane is just saying the important thing is they're back together, which is just kind of a, a nothing statement, just something to say, <laughs> something pleasant to say. And so she's taking their order. The wife orders a glass of wine. Diane asks the husband what he'll have, and he asks for Bloody Mary. <laughs> and Diane laughs. She's like, oh, like in this guffawing <laughs> fashion. It was so funny. <laughs> I loved that laugh when mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, wait, I can't believe it, and laughs out loud. Yeah, that was That good. was a great Diane moment. Like the ones mm-hmm. that we've talked about here and there where she's more, it's not laid back, but she's just more natural, you know? It's, it's almost like a cross between a laugh and like a, like a, I don't know I what else you believe it or whatever. It. Yeah, kind of. Like surprise. Yeah. It's like surprise and humor and... Mild alarm. Very alarm, alarm, but sort of like yeah. she already suspects that he's guilty. So there's oh, you know, just, <laughs> like oh, like hey, it, right I there, it's proof, yeah. right? Yeah, it's funny. but I just the way that she did that, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, and so she she mentions to the wife that she has to bring it up. When she last saw her, the wife was calling the husband a wife murderer, and she asked what changed. The wife says she realized she really loves him. So Diane goes on about admiring her trust and conviction. And then she makes a joke about sleeping with one eye open and kind of laughs awkwardly at this point to herself. And then she awkwardly goes, she's like, I'll get the drinks and kind of excuses herself. And then the husband makes a joke about how it's a good thing that his wife dropped, the, you know, that she dropped the charges. He'd hate to have his uh, fate in Diane's hands. And the, the wife's like, but why did you have the power saw in the kitchen? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So when Diane is getting these drinks from Sam, she's telling Sam that the customers are the couple from the trial. And Sam mentioned, he remembers like, oh, right, the power saw. So we know that he remembered that part of it. Mm-hmm. And Diane's talking about human nature. And she's back in Diane, you know, form. So there's something to be said for forgiveness. It's nice to know that love conquers all. Or what she actually says is, what is it? Amor vinso omnis. Yes, it is, the, the Latin. Latin or whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's been watching. So Sam this whole time has had his eye on the couple. Diane says she's just going to buy this first round for them. <laughs> and Sam tells her she better hurry up. He looks like he's about to fire up the old Black & Decker. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Love that line. That was great. Uh, that was so good. 
So yeah. the couple is arguing. The man's kind of like has his finger in her face, and the wife screams, "Don't touch me!" and leaves. Mm-hmm. So Diane goes there, and she's kind of like smugly says, "Like so, the system works after all." <laughs> Good. <laughs> what is she? She says something directly to him though, and he kind of smarts off at her. What? What was it that she said? I should. Oh, she does. Oh, to the husband, she does say something yeah. to him, doesn't she? Yeah, or like, like what, what happened um, or. Yeah, what happened? Oh, and what happened? Says, it's like when you check your notes. Is that check your like, notes? Uh-huh, yeah, it was something it, about yeah. checking your notes. <laughs> it wasn't a great comeback, but um, yeah. Then then she says justice is served. And, yeah, yeah. Diane feels it's, she's vindicated. It's mm-hmm, funny. Mm-hmm. So Carla is hoping that Eddie's going to lose the game, but it ends with the Bruins winning. Later, Eddie comes into tears, and Eddie has figured out why Carla dumped him. <laughs> Took him a while, but he did figure it out. He says he doesn't know what to do and how Carla means so much to him. And I don't think he says she's a jinx. I can't remember what he says about it. But basically, she doesn't want to be responsible for Eddie losing. Mm-hmm. So she's ostensibly not getting back together with him. So Eddie gives her a cassette tape of their song as he leaves. Mm-hmm. It says something about like remembering him or something like that. Think back time to time. Remember me fondly yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Carla's in the bar with Sam and she says, you know, she's kind of, it's like not trying to save face, but she's sort of trying to make a, a joke about it or something. She says for a refreshing change, Carla Tortelli ends up without the guy. Well, she's trying to kind of be brave about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then Sam pats his chest and says his shirt's stripped dry. He really is a sweet man. I thought that was a just a very openly loving mm-hmm. gesture. Yeah. Carla wants to close by herself and... Then Sam says if she wants to talk, that he will be at Diane's. She, she can call. Please call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Especially that night after this trial. Yeah. I'm just going to be hearing all it's about gonna it. going to get an somewhere. earful. So Sam leaves, and Carla plays Eddie's cassette, which is a recording of O Canada. And she mm. sings along and cries. And then the next bit, we don't know how much time has gone by, because it's another active day at Cheers. The bar is full again. Frazier comes out from the back. And Frazier, I will say, he seems more self-possessed at this point than he has really ever before, certainly since Bombo died. <laughs> but I would say even before that, he just seems more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks Woody what Woody's working on. Woody's working on the Cheers newsletter. Frazier says they don't have a Cheers newsletter. So Woody's going to make that the lead story. <laughs> Carla and Eddie come out from the back holding hands. So that's a little bit of a striking contrast to how we last saw Mm-hmm. And then Eddie asks Carla if she wants to go to the game. Um, he says he's on a hot streak, so we know he's winning. She says that he's for the past few weeks he's been fantastic, intimating both on and off the ice. Mm-hmm. Then she turns around, changes his tone, and tells him to beat it, and gives him like that same breakup speech. And then Eddie repeats the same lines about, I thought we had something good and all of this. And a few people are watching them, but not everybody, just a few people. <laughs> Sam is reading the newspaper, not paying any attention. <laughs> And a customer tells Sam that he saw Carla and her boyfriend break up a couple weeks ago. And Sam just mentions that they break up for every game. And he says something like, oh, that's just, you know, the way he says it. Like, oh, yeah, they just do that, it's you like, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like he barely yeah, looks up no from the deal. paper. Yeah, flips the page. Right. <laughs> um, and then Eddie tells Carla he'll see your Thursday. He, he's, they're still doing this routine as they go to the door. Um, and then Eddie says, stop and say, like, see you Thursday, eh? Hey, some something they're doing on Thursday. And then Carla says, he's a superstitious little guy, but he's hers. Yeah. Happy ending for Carla. Yes, indeed. Oh, and you were going to add, so in the table part, we forgot this, I think. Because I think that you had mentioned that when the couple comes in after the trial, 
mm-hmm. and Diane is talking to them, that the blonde lady comes in the bar just as I'm, the regular bar person. I'm fairly sure she does. I need to rewatch it now. But yes, I'm fairly <laughs> sure she walks in. A surprise to no one. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, she does. I mean, obviously, she's not meant to be the same person. She's just a a filler character but yeah she does so there's there's something fishy afoot that's all i'm gonna say there's (laughs) some uh some backhanded dealings going on different right okay so carla has a new beau that's right so for the first sort of solid story we've had others where she's dated people or tried to find somebody and whatnot but it's the first story i think that is really mostly about that throughout Mm -hmm. she kind of had a bit at ludlow yeah, um, that's they had true. A fling. That is true. She had a baby, right, so they always had that. a fling. I'm trying to remember all the details on that one. Because basically, she just thought they were from two different worlds and weren't going to work out was basically it, right? And yeah. she just... There and wasn't she had this other hoped-for person that like that was... Really, the description that she gives to Bennett Ludlow of her yeah. ideal man kind of mm-hmm. matches Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Including the... That's true. The face being, you know, hit from some sort of sport. Exactly. Good call. So of the two, do you feel like there's a stronger part? Do you feel like it all really holds together? I think part one is a lot stronger than part two. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I was just thinking this. I guess I do think part one is stronger. There's a lot of good stuff in part two. Mm -hmm. But as is often the case with part one and part two, I don't think part two is as strong. I just think there's better lines overall, a little funnier. In, in part, part one, one. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think it's not a dramatic decline, though, for me. Yeah. Because I think the writing is still... This was the same writers, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they wrote it all. Overall, the quality, I think, holds up. I think what it is for me, part two, there's so much back and forth with Carla and the Jinx and the sport and everything. And it, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot. They, they pack in a lot. And I think sometimes it can be a little hard to, to flesh it out. Whereas the buildup to all that as is usually the case, just seemed to come off a lot better to me. Yeah. Was stronger, so. Yeah, I think, because I think the buildup was really good. And like we talked about in that episode, I thought like everything was kind of firing on all cylinders from various stories to the characters commenting and to the way it flowed together. And this was a little bit more broken in terms of how the scene, or not necessarily just the scenes, but moving one from one storyline to the next, kind of like, okay, here's this scene and here's that scene. And it didn't seem to like move around the bar in the same fluid way in terms of going mm. among the stories. As much as I I do appreciate Carla's emotional, I hate to use the word journey, because it's like always an emotional <laughs> journey. Like just the trajectory that she's on in this, in both of these. Part two is more, it's more about her emotion, I guess, than the first one. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad, it's but true. to me it's, it, it's not, I think part two is not as funny. It has certainly hilarious parts, but I think it's a little bit more emotionally ponderous than part mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Which doesn't appeal to me as much. There's less, not necessarily less Eddie. I don't know what it is. It's just more discussion of like, is Carla or Jinx or not? And what mm-hmm. are her feelings about this? Right. Because Eddie's losing and then, of course, he's winning at the end. Yeah, it doesn't develop what they built in part one as well as it could have. But then you also wonder, like, could it have been one episode? And I don't know that it could. Because I think part one was, like, just enough with everything in it. So I think it was warranted to have it be a two-parter. It just didn't, you know, tick as many of those boxes as the first one. And then at the end, the break between Carla listening to Oh Canada and then Carla and Eddie back together. I think it's a little disorienting. It's a little jarring more Mm. than it, you know, some surprise I think is warranted, but 
think that the fact that you go from one thing to the exact opposite, like her lamenting the end of this relationship and so forth, to them being back together, and then that's so close to the end of the episode, makes it a little sort of jarred by the end of the episode. At least I was. I can see that. Yeah. I like I the idea, that. though, that they break up before every game and then get back together. I think that that's clever. Like, that's a, you know, and I could see Carla doing that. I think that totally fits. The jury parts... I still love, like, Diane talking to the couple at the table and her laugh about the Bloody Mary and Sam commenting about firing up the old Black and Decker. All of that I really liked. Mm -hmm. The part in the jury room I didn't think was tremendously strong. Like, it was fine, but to me it didn't Mm -hmm. add a whole lot, I guess. Right. I don't know. For a scene taken out of the bar, I think it really has to be necessary that it be out of the bar, and I don't know that that necessarily was, aside from the the blonde lady. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. No, no, but you have a very good point because really Diane coming back in and telling Sam Miss Trial drop the charges would have been enough to set up the last scene with the couple actually there. It would right. you wouldn't have needed the jury scene. Except I think we just got everyone's frustration with Diane, which again That's I understand. True. And there See, were some funny little yeah. lines of people's exasperation with her. But you're right. I mean you really could have completely removed the jury scene and I don't think the story would have been bothered at all. Yeah. I didn't think about that until until just now. I would say, I, I'd say, for me, a slight advantage to part one. I had given that three stars. I know we don't do halves, but I'm going to have to say three and a half, and this one's a solid three stars for me. Good episode, great moments, but yeah, I don't think it holds together as well as the first part did. Yeah, and I gave this one a three. Like, not a high three, just kind of a middle-of-the-road three, I would say. Because mm-hmm. I think it's good, you know, but I just think that there's a lot. Judging it on its own, I would still say a three and I think coming from the last episode it's like in the first half of the threes if we were doing it you know absolutely yeah (laughs) if I were to rewatch one of them just for the pure enjoyment of the episode it would certainly be part one yeah I agree that will do it for us today you can find us on Facebook norm a cheers podcast and on Twitter at cheers underscore norm you can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places Apple podcasts Google podcasts overcast and Spotify leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there thanks so much for listening Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, it's going well. How are you? It's going pretty well. We are on episode 18 of season five of Cheers, and this one is called One Last Fling. It was written by Cherie Eichen and Bill Steinkellner, directed by James Bros, and it aired on February 12th. 1987. I don't know why that date seems strange to me. It just seems like it would be a episode more for the later spring. I'm not sure why it seems that way. But anyway, the vlog line is that Sam is growing weary of the traditional wedding preparation activities in which Diane has him engaged, such as picking out china patterns and choosing monogram finger towels. The guys at Cheers decide to host the best bachelor party of all time for Sam. Unfortunately, Woody insists on getting Diane to be the woman that will jump from the celebratory cake. 
And during this, Sam's comments about being with only one woman from now on and missing out on one last fling prompt Diane to suggest that they each take 24 hours to satisfy any remaining lusts before they get married. That is the gist of our episode. We start with a teaser, though, that's kind of on a different, different tack. Fraser comes in, um, he orders a beer, and he asks Woody, whose left hand is in a cast, what he did to his thumb. And Woody says it's a long story. And then basically proceeds through this step-by-step pool game description, mm-hmm. how he's trying to make a particular combination shot, and then he couldn't do that, so he had to use the bridge and balance himself over the table. And at each beat, Fraser is guessing that this is how Woody broke his thumb. He's like, oh, so you leaned over, and then this happened. And he's like, nope, nope, and then goes on to the next part of the story. And he says at the end, he won, he made the shot. And so Fraser guesses that the opponent got mad and broke his thumb, and Woody says, no, I beat him fair and square, and he paid me. So he finally admits that he broke his thumb when he slipped on the ice on his way home. Fraser, of course, has gone from curious to <laughs> more and more frustrated in his Fraser way. And at this point, Pete comes in, one of the sort of tertiary barflies comes in. He asks Woody how he broke his thumb, and Woody says, I slipped on the ice. And then just the look, <laughs> the incensed look on Fraser's face, I think it's priceless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He asks Woody, he's like, why didn't you know, tell Pete the long, drawn-out version of the story? And Woody says, that's the guy he's playing fool with. So. <laughs> so to me, the, the Frazier, it's basically Frazier's expression of impatience played against this sort of playful storytelling that Woody has going on. Made it, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a fun combination between them. What did you think? He does a lot of acting with his eyes. His eyes can be very intense. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and it's not the first time I've seen that, but I really noticed it here. They communicate a lot just by... Like you said, a very incensed look on his face. His, his facial looks at a lot for that character. So I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. And it sort you of. You can puts... just see the frustration building. Yeah. Then, you know, and you yeah. feel it. I feel it on my own too. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's the best part, I think. And it reminds me a little bit of the chess matches that they had a few episodes ago too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good character combination, those two. Yeah. 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 So when we start the episode proper, Carla is wondering where the hell Diane is. She says that she's going to be late to school. So Frazier is surprised and delighted that Carla is going back to school and talks about the value of education and all this. And she says that it's traffic school. And then she adds, you Nimrod <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, she got a speeding ticket because she had a leaf on her windshield and had to gun it up to 80 to blow it off. That's kind of Carla's story through this. They add those little bits in, her, in there for her being in traffic school. Which is, it's amusing. I mean, it's not necessarily, I don't think, really germane to the main story. But it's something you can see Carla doing, I think. So. Sure. So then Diane and Sam come in. Sam does not look happy. Norm asks where he's been. And he says, picking China patterns. And I notice, again, back to Fraser, who's just adding a lot with his expressions, like you said. He just <laughs> kind of smiles wryly and puts his head mm-hmm. in his hand. <laughs> you know, he knows how this is going to go. Yep. And then Sam says it may have been the stupidest morning of his life until Diane reminds him that the next day they're registering for flatware. And she seems, and he says like second stupidest, but he seems just very, you know, he's not enjoying it, but she seems just like that's the most delightful thing you could possibly do. Just so excited. Oh, she's into this majorly. It's so, I don't know. Part of me feels like that's one thing that dates this episode a bit. Not that 
some people don't still, you know, you do the wedding registry and stuff, but yeah. to go and pick out patterns, to go and pick out flatware as opposed to just looking online and finding one you like. And but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a formal process back then. And, and to be honest with you, it just it just sounds terrible. It sounds it does. utterly terrible. <laughs> to do it sounds that. terrible to me, too. I, I, I think it's still a little odd that Diane is so excited about it. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. little bits of this from her in the past, but not to this degree that she's just this this mega bride thing that she has going right. on. And Diane talking about their selections. I mean, she used to talk about literature and the common man. That's right. But maybe she's just, I don't know, maybe she's just enthusiastic about all sorts of things. You know, She's the kind, she's the kind that throws herself into like anything though, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she art, we've had those episodes where she gets on a kick for an episode or two, you know, that's true. everything. And so now that the wedding is her big thing and, and does require, if you want, a lot of planning and a lot of all that. So I could see her throwing herself into it, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's it does true. seem like the interests have really shifted from the art, the literary to something thing not quite so i don't know how to describe it without getting in trouble yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? right it I wouldn't do. be my pick of how to use money or time but there you go right <laughs> so diane she's asking sam to make a choice on their everyday wear and he talks about it was something about plates that had like flowers on them they were pretty mm-hmm. it might have been what he had as a child which just you know it sounds fine but she thinks that it's garish and bourgeois and you know like <laughs> She's bringing back her vocabulary there to describe yes. his. So, so his his wanting a certain pattern of of a plate when pressed to the wall, it's it's bourgeois mm-hmm. as opposed to this whole process of going <laughs> appointment to appointment, store to store, picking out flatware, tea towels, uh, everyday wear, whatever right. the hell you know. <laughs> like that's not the definition of, of the, the upper class the bourgeoisie. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, right, you know. It, yes. Uh, Right, right. When he makes one selection just based on genuine personal preference, and that's pretty right. That's a great point. (laughs) So Diane is in the office now. She's talking to somebody named Penelope from the bridal registry. And Sam is talking in the bar about how Diane is driving him nuts with wedding stuff. And Carla has a simple solution. She's like, so ditch her. And really, Carla has that. It's like, so so let's kill her. Let's, you know, ditch her. Uh She repeats that same suggestion. Through at least this episode, I think the next couple episodes, she's like, can we just kill her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So Di- uh, Diane comes out of the office. She wants to know Sam's opinion on monogramming the fingertip towels. She can't decide. And she needs a man's opinion. And this is when Sam is trying to get Frazier to go and help her <laughs> make something out. Yes, I love that. I, I did too. <laughs> He's all too see. willing to just step aside and... Right. Be the man in the moment, right? Yeah, and I like that he's just completely fine with Frazier doing this. Like, perhaps Frazier mm-hmm. would, would enjoy that or be better at it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that that was a great touch to add in there. Right. And then, but Diane says, Sam, these will be our fingertip towels for the rest of our lives. And she's just very upright and serious when she says it, too. So, it's mm-hmm. great performance. Ridiculous comment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when Sam goes in there finally to choose these fingertip towels, Cliff announces that they should have a bachelor party that night. And he says it's his job as the best man, which is, <laughs> it was a surprise to me. So we haven't mentioned that before. He's going to be the exactly. best man. Exactly. When did that decision get Right, made? right, right. I think everybody else is a little puzzled too. Fraser questions that Sam asks Cliff. Um, and they argue about who's closest. You know, Norm <laughs> thinks he's close to him. Woody says that he's like the brother Sam never had. And then Norm lets Woody know that Sam has a brother. <laughs> I like that. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. 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 
So Cliff brings it back to the bachelor party. Frazier volunteers. He seems very chipper about this. He's going to get the food and the drink. Cliff is going to get a stag film from a video store on his postal route, which I like that he just knows all these places that are on his postal mm. route, you know. <laughs> and then Norm says they just need a girl jumping out of the cake. Woody thinks it's just a waste of the food to have somebody. A waste of good cake. Yeah, breaking through the cake. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. There is... Not to, again, like, spoiler alert for the far-off future, but there is a cake scene way later in the show when their attitudes have entirely changed about, <laughs> like, they really do. They're interested in the cake at that point. So it's, mm. a, it's a great contrast to this episode, I think. But at any rate, I just, I remember that now when they discuss about how that's just not the point and the girls, the dessert and all of that. Woody says it should be Miss Chambers. He's just not getting what this is supposed to be about, I guess. He's so uh, innocent though when he does it, right? It's yeah. it's kind of cute. It's kind it of is. I, I mean, think it's it, sweet. you know, he's the, the line that triggers that is something like uh, should be she should be like a dessert or something, and he's like, well, then I think it should be Mrs. Chambers. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Like, yeah, it just puts me in mind of like some sort of scene where it's some little kid. Um, oh well, who's a beautiful woman, mommy? You know, just, yeah, yeah, just like yeah. pipes up like, oh, this is who it should be. It's so innocent when he says it, you know. Right. Like, oh, who do you want to marry when you grow up? Like, oh, my yes, mom. That, that exactly. Yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. And Cliff says, like, E I E I O. That's good. And then calls him Tractor Boy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does. Tractor Boy. He says that having your fiance jump out of the cake is like taking your mother to the prom. Or so I'm told. <laughs> yeah, Vincent. A little more insight into Cliff. Right. And then they discuss looking in Sam's book to find somebody hot. And at this point, and I think that like it's that Steve character that says like, oh, Sam's had all those girls. Mm-hmm. And Diane comes out from the office and she's like yelling back to Sam to pick out a dust ruffle. So more just, you can imagine Sam's. Well, he, she, she scolds him and tells him to stop being a grumble bunny. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not being detailed that? enough. And no, 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 it's okay. It's just, for him. No, it's just <laughs> I, in, in this one episode, I don't know, this first half at least when she's just at her most intense some of the words and terms she throws it out are off the wall grumble bunny right what's where's what's just don't have anything to do with sam i mean (laughs) it's almost like she is his mother scolding him Uh uh-huh oh she she loves doing that right i mean she's so good at the scolding part Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so woody caesar says it wouldn't hurt to ask miss chambers if she'd jump out of sam's bachelor party cake and everybody's protesting but woody's made his way over and he asks her if she would do that and add, if you will, I may have missed some kind of comment or insult here, but she says that she abhors, Diane says she abhors such juvenile sexist male rituals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is she's like, yeah, but would you do it? Exactly. <laughs> like you didn't answer the question. That's beside the point. Are you going to do <laughs> <Right>. it or not? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say no. Right. So she gives him a hard stare and Woody tells the guys like, well, you're right. They're going to have to find some other beautiful girl. And so Diane's like, oh, you know. Pretend that she didn't understand why they wanted her to jump from the cake and how silly of her. She didn't get a joke and she goes on about it. It's a wonderful irony. That's the part I remember. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful irony, which is, I'm sure is why they thought about That's that. exactly what they had in mind. That, right. That's what Norm and Cliff are going for. Right. Irony the, of the moment. Of the girl in the cake. The wonderful irony. All the men it. in the bar would really pick up on that irony. It's like, ah, <laughs> ah, ah. Exactly, right. <laughs> exactly what we wanted. Right, right. An ironic bachelor party. Yes. So she just feigns delight at the prospect of jumping out of the gate. 
And then, of course, we don't see the preparation for any of this, which is, I can see why, but it's kind of a shame <laughs> given what mm -hmm. happens because there must have been some preamble, like when she's getting in the cake or she had to right. have some sort of conversation with the guys about this and so forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't imagine going very well. Anyway, it's later in the evening. Norm asks what time it is. It's 11.15. Norm says it's getting late. He better be getting home to Vera. <laughs> Which is like, a conf you know, would normally be very confusing to all. Sam seems a yes. little puzzled. Yeah. Everybody follows his lead. They're all going out. And Fraser says, you know what they say, the early bird catches the obsessive compulsive. <laughs> and then laughs at his joke. Which I, I do like his joke, but it's uh -huh. it's dorky, but it's good at the same time. I love how they all get they all get up and they're all kind of doing that grumbling about oh long you but know so, work tomorrow yeah. whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, you know just going on hamming it up and everything. Right, right, all leaving as one, mm -hmm. and then Sam mentions to Woody the guys took off in a hurry. Woody's like, but you don't think that's suspicious, do you? <laughs> <laughs> he can't. He can't. He just can't. Keep a secret. Yeah. Right. He's just so worried he's going to give it away. So he tells Sam to go in the office and add the receipts. Sam, oh, he knows something's up. He just goes along with it, suspecting a surprise party. Well, no, no, Woody says. Sam asks if he's lying. And Woody said, it's the way he says it. He's like, Woody says that Sam would know if he's lying. He's like, I'd, I'd tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It is like an innocent farm boy kind of, I'd tell you. Yeah, exactly. So Sam goes in the office and the guys come in with trays of food and champagne and balloons and a banner. It's kind of a big spread that they put together. Uh, pretty I, I wrote that exactly down. Out. I said, this is quite a nice spread. My mm -hmm. notes, I thought, you know, they've got the deli trays and uh, champagne. And they, they, I love how they're coming down the stairs. Some coming from outside the bar. Yes. Some are coming up from Melville's. Yeah. And they immediately strap on that uh, or tape up. I shouldn't say strap on. They tape up that banner mm -hmm. for him. And it's just so well coordinated and and for for the fact we didn't see any planning, it was quite uh, quite something. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I, I think too, all of that that sudden big production shows how much they do love Sam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to put all that together and to be so enthusiastic about him. So they, some time passes. Sam comes out of the office, and I think doesn't Woody ask if he's surprised? Uh huh. Yeah. They're going along, and then a little bit later, they're finishing watching the, the stag film. And Sam thanks the guys. He says that he used to think bachelor parties were kind of embarrassing, but this has been you know, like a lot of fun. It's, I thought that was an interesting comment coming from Sam, you know, who's mm -hmm. supposed to be the ultimate bachelor, but he, you know, saying that he used to think bachelor parties were kind of embarrassing. It's it's interesting to me what embarrasses him or what he is sort of <laughs> shy about. I guess. Right. But, I mean, clearly, it's not watching a smut film with a bunch of men around you. I mean, it's that not doesn't watching embarrass a smut him. film, but there's, I mean, it, but there is some sort of privacy or something that he's concerned about in life. I feel like it's come up before with like some of the details of Carla's relationships, maybe with Nick. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. He has an interesting sense of propriety given the way that he lives his life, I think. Mm. So the guys turn out the lights, they wheel out the cake and Sam guesses that there's a woman in there. And then one of, and one of them, I don't remember whom, says, just your type. So Fraser tells Sam to make the obligatory speech and have at her. Sam has this moment, consideration and morality, whatever, says he can't do it, wouldn't be right. And they're all goading him. And then it's, it's really Norm that starts the trouble. He says, after this, it's yeah. going to be, and he doesn't mean to, but it, you know, he is the one. So it's going to be one woman for the rest of your life. And so Sam stops to think. And he goes on, like, really kind of pensively for Sam, I think. He's like, just never thought of it in terms of being one woman. He's like, she's a great woman, but only one of her. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Norm has some great parts in this. He's like, it'll go quickly. Just go ahead and cut the cake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the rest yes, of your life, yeah. it'll go quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam is stopping to think about how he's been a bachelor. I think he says like for a good long time, talking about all these women that he's been with. And there's just gonna be one woman and Frazier's getting kind of nervous now and he's like yeah but what a woman mm. and Sam says like one mm -hmm. perfume one set of earlobes not even sensitive earlobes and everybody I think now is just kind of like oh no one pair yeah. of lips flapping in my ear <laughs> <laughs> and Norm is grimacing and trying to get Sam, Sam to stop talking at some point he's like hitting him on the shoulder even I think you're just trying to shut him up and Sam adds like mm -hmm. day after day until I die <laughs> And Norm just suddenly jumps off his stool to redirect Sam to the big, wonderful cake with a special surprise inside, which just might spoil if you don't shut up. Oh, but I love that line. The way he says it, like he just, Hut if you don't up. shut right. up, you know, right. like he's mad. And yeah, just that look, that, that was a great. That, that really, was it really was. It really was. Because mm -hmm. it's like he kind of got him going a little <laughs> bit and then the speech went, went south for sure. Yes. So Sam's apologizing. He says he's going to tie himself to the old ball and chain. He might as well get at least one night of freedom. And then he says, like, bring her out here, strap her on. <laughs> strap her on. <laughs> and at that point, Diane, I mean, it's just perf pitch perfect timing. Diane, like, shoots mm -hmm. up from the cake. Probably not how that usually goes with a woman coming out of a cake, but she just, like, bursts through the top of it. <laughs> it's a strap. A woman that bad. <laughs> right. Usually the woman is, I don't think it was, I don't think Adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's almost like she just vaulted up. I don't know. I just thought that that was really funny. Right, and right. she smashes fistfuls of cake in his surprise face. And then she has mm -hmm. to have help getting out of the cake, though, too. There's something amusing about that. Like, she's stranded, basically. So Alan helps her out. Right. And she kind of marches in her little outfit out of the bar. And Woody doesn't quite understand the tension of all this. It's like, Sam, you should see the look on your face. And he's just laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's the entire first part of it, the whole setup. Do you have any any other thoughts so far that we haven't mentioned? I like this bachelor part mm -hmm. of the scene for the most part. I, I do. And I think that Sam's kind of meandering realization, It's you can see the wheels turning. You can see it dawning on him that... This is it, really. One woman, rest of my life. He's never thought of that before now, I guess. And then just how the guy, like you said, it's like a slow, re all the guys are like, okay, willing to let him talk mm -hmm. a little bit. And then it's like, oh God, he's not going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in here. The that's case. And everyone realized, like, oh, that's, I mean, not that they didn't know, but you know what I mean? Like when it comes to yeah, be that, like this recognition that this isn't going well. Right, exactly. Everyone knows he's mm -hmm. in there and stuff, or she is in there. So, yeah, I, I really liked how they, they did that. And, and I did. I liked Diane's bursting forth from there. I don't want to say she looks ridiculous. She doesn't look ridiculous, but it's not something you, you've ever seen her right. in before, right? I mean, this full-on outfit, whatever. And, and, you know, like you said, she has to have the help down and everything, and she just storms out there all rod. Bit straight, rigid. right. Yes. I don't know, just the whole, the visual of it all. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that bit. And, and Sam's, his, his look, just, like, like, I stepped in it, you know? And yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I just liked it. I his expression it when she comes out of the cake, she's standing above him, so he has that kind of wide-eyed, mm -hmm. you know, deer headlights yes, exactly. look in his face. Yeah. 
<laughs> I wonder, I mean, it's never something we would want to see, in my opinion, but I, I don't see how it could have gone differently. Like, had he not talked about all of that and she just came out of the cake, what is she going to do? Like, some sort of seductress act? Because that would have been strange, too, I think. So, I don't know. It was it was really funny because of that, but I'm not sure how that could have ever turned out to be a good idea. Yeah, you know, right, given right. who she is and the situation and everything. So, yeah. Right, when we come back to it, Carla is coming in from traffic school and she seems to have had an okay time at traffic school. And then Diane comes in after her. Sam is very solicitous to Diane, but he's just behaving in a very considerate, apologetic Yeah, he tries and, to get like her coat yeah. or whatever, says you take her coat for her, everything. And she says something like, uh, Sam, you, you make a terrible mm-hmm. sycophant. And he says, I make a oh, great yeah, margarita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, margarita. I thought that was good. So she wants to talk to him in the office. And he says, when he gets in there, he didn't mean to hurt her feelings. And she says she feels bad for him. And she's I think she's putting on like lip gloss or lipstick at this point while she's talking. She's talking mm-hmm. about how he sentenced to a life with only one perfume, one set of insensitive earlobes, one set of lips. And then she's probably like flapping in your ear until you die. <laughs> it's just something about her very laconic delivery I thought was great. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Sam says he was just making a speech for the guys. You know, that's his rationale. But clearly he wasn't because it wasn't big, like, bragging speech or anything like that. It was obviously right internal, almost like his internal monologue out loud. Yeah, exactly. And then they have this whole discussion about how if she, you know, he had known the last woman before her was going to be the last woman, he would have prepared himself. And then he has this popcorn analogy about you can munch away as long as there's a bowl <laughs> full when it's left is salt and duds. You feel bad for not savoring the last kernel. So she thinks that she is salt and duds because according to that <laughs> analogy, I guess she is. And mm-hmm. he says he doesn't know what to say to make it right, but he's sorry. She offers him 24 hours of wild hedonistic sexual carousing. And he asks if it's in addition to his apology. Basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do I right. get both? What? So she says apology won't alleviate the problem and that he should sow his wild oats and get it out of his system. I don't know if this is the time to discuss this. I feel like we have to discuss this concept at some point. Just in general and between them, like this idea of sowing wild oats. I don't think it's a great idea, period. But I think particularly with them, 24 hours of Sam sowing his wild oats would make Sam want to, I think would make Sam want to sow more wild oats, not fewer. I don't think it's going to be something that he gets out of his system. I think it's just going to be like a kindling effect where he's back in that mode of being. I mean, that's not a consideration they come up with. They talk about it like it's just going to be this workable plan. But what did you, what is your Mm -hmm. thought about that? Uh, Yes. And I'm trying to like focus in on this concept as it pertains to the plot, right? As opposed to like Right, in general. the, the real world, rest of the world, whatever. Yeah, no, that's that would be my thinking. That It's almost like, maybe this isn't a good metaphor, but this just popped into my head, so I'm going to go with it. It's almost like Sam's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. a recovering yeah. alcoholic. If he wanted to have a glass of champagne or something, in and of itself, maybe there wouldn't be harm with that, but it would be where you're a recovering alcoholic, you get a taste for something, you're back in it, and you can't limit yourself right. to just one. And then all of a sudden, you're off the wagon, whatever you want to call it. I do. You know what I mean? Maybe, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but I am saying that maybe coming from his Playboy mm-hmm. days, if you give him carte blanche, whatever oh, she that's said. that's right, carte blanche, you know? sexual carte blanche <laughs> to, to, or something like to, that. Yes. To do whatever the hell for 24 hours, then 
what yeah you're right what makes you think that he's going to be like oh well all right back to here back to tea towels exactly. I mean, what, what, you know what are you gonna you, you you're assuming that you're enough and i don't think that that's a very safe assumption given your history yes you know that on again off again and everything so yeah i i don't think it's a good idea and i don't think it's a completely realistic concept mm-hmm. ever and then pertaining to this to this show in yeah no, that's exactly what i think I mean, because I would say, like, like you said, like, particularly for them and for him, like, maybe she can do this. And, you know, mm-hmm. like one last while that like she says something when they get to the point when she said that they have the 24 hours, like she, 24 hours starts right now. His starts right now, the same as mine. And then she has to make sure yeah. she has all other men out of her system. I mean, maybe in her mind, Diane can <laughs> th- find one person, one wild oat, as mm-hmm. she calls it, left. But I, Sam, exactly for why you said, I think it's the alcoholic, covering alcoholic analogy is perfect because do you think that's what would happen that's kind of how it would go mm-hmm. you know right. so yeah i think it's especially a poor idea when it comes to him and she just i don't know why she would not understand that part here's another question mm. for you and and not to spoil anything coming ahead in this episode but do you think she really has the intention of doing the same thing she's offering to sam given or do you think she does that to kind of drive him nuts like hey mm-hmm. i'm gonna put this i'm giving you this free reign but by the way, it applies to me too. You and I have 24 hours to do whatever we want with whomever we want. No questions asked. I read it as she has no intention of herself doing anything like that. She is just egging him on and challenging him to see what he'll really do. Well, do you think that she, okay, that's, see, that's the question then. Like, is she saying, because I do think from her tone when she's like, this, you know, says like right now, the same as mine. I think she's needling him. She is like mm-hmm. putting that doubt in his head, like, wait, what? You as well? Because it's mm-hmm. like she you know, says she's giving him this free reign for 24 hours, but then her comment, I think, is, I think it does go more toward manipulating his behavior than it is, like, okay, well, you know, I really want this time as well. I think it is more, mm-hmm. more to see what he will do with it. It's a little more controlling. Like I said, I mean, I think it's a bad idea to have the 24-hour period for a fling. But So it sounds weird to say, like, oh, she's trying to control him. But at the same time, it is. It's almost like, well, I let you do this. You know, it's like, but mm-hmm. was it really free if you're then threatening on the right, other exactly. side? Yeah, her motives are always... But I don't know if it's intentionally... Manip- it's hard with her. I feel like her motives are always mixed, and she's not even entirely aware of them, too. Exactly. That's yeah. a fair point. You know, she leaves the room. He's you know, thinking about this and then finds the little black book that he said he right. didn't have anymore. With To us, to the audience, every intention of actually, hey, I'm going to take mm-hmm. her at her word and call someone up and whatever. But I guess I never really felt like she herself was going to do right. the same thing. She was saying that. In, in a way to, I don't, not set him up necessarily, but you're right when you say controlling, because yeah, she's controlling. Mm-hmm. That's not new. She's been controlling yes. for five years in her own little way. And so I think, she, I think she was needling him. I don't think she herself was going to go out and do anything. I think she knew exactly what yes. she was doing in the sense that she's going to, I'm going to put, say this little thing, get it to stick in his craw and see what he actually mm-hmm. will do. Now making him yeah. jealous. I no, think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And at some point before she tells him that she has the same 24 hours, he takes her by the shoulders like, you listen to me. I'm only going to agree to do this because I love you, Diane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that got a good laugh. It was sort of pathetic, but it was hysterical Mm. the way he delivered that line. Yeah, it was very pathetic, but yeah. So yeah, it looks for all the world like he is getting right on his time, going to his little black book. Mm-hmm. Um, did he pull it? Like, it was out of a plant or a drawer? There was some place where it was hidden in the office. 
like pulls it yeah, right back out. Yeah, yeah, he kind of had it yeah. hidden. Mm-hmm. So we come back. Carla has this big smile on her face, and she's asking if Sam is back. And Cliff says it's T minus 30 minutes and counting. So they all must know about this plan that Sam and Diane have. Mm-hmm. And Carla, this is interesting to me, I think, her behavior, because she says she's just over the moon about this. She's like, right about now, Sammy's probably leaning back in bed and smoking. And she's just kind of blissfully caught in this reverie about his mm-hmm. sex life. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why is Carla relishing? I mean, we've seen it before that she sort of relishes Sam's womanizing and his sexual exploits. But yeah. this is one of the times when it's sort of the most acute, I guess, imagining him in that situation. <laughs> well, she's she's always been his cheerleader, yeah, well, right? For all things I mean, in you life, know, The yes. times when they've broken mm-hmm. up before and, you know, whenever they get back together, she's like, oh, terrible. It's, it's the worst thing that could happen. And so, yeah, we have right. seen this before. So to me, I thought it's it kind of a, re, a revisit to how she was. She's his cheerleader. Mm-hmm. She thinks, True. hey, you, and she said something almost verbatim this to him in one episode where you are you are a playboy. You are a batch. You, you do what you do and you should mm-hmm. do that. And don't don't settle. Don't yeah. She said something. She did. I, she talked like about him being episode, a, was it a it hound was. or a bachelor or something like that. She's yeah. She has said mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 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 Like this is just who you are. Don't be ashamed of it. Be who mm-hmm. you are. You know. And don't settle for something that you're not. Right. Basically. And so yeah, she's she's just gleeful because she thinks that oh this is gonna she probably imagines this is gonna cause drama and they're not gonna get married. Right. And, which is a fair assumption given yeah. their history. And she probably so. knows like he's like that it's gonna leads like one will lead to the next she probably knows it wouldn't be just a 24-hour thing if he got started with it right oh yeah Yeah. exactly but yeah cliff follows up by saying something about how he's never seen sam smoke a cigarette and carla says like who said anything about cigarettes and she's sort of (laughs) like all jaunting she's like lean back on the bar just looking at the door all eager like oh i'm just picturing it now you know she's laughing wildly Oh, God. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of great. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of fun at the same time. <laughs> so Sam comes in disheveled and exhausted, which is, I mean, I don't know. It's a little fake because Sam has come in from exploits before very well put together and not <laughs> exhausted. Mm-hmm. So this looks a bit fabricated. Right. But the guys are making comments about like the score and Sam not wasting much time kissing. There's just all these comments about his prowess. And Sam says, like, yeah, you guys know me all right. So it's interesting, given what we later learn, Sam has done its time. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys know me, you know, putting on this show for him. And then he's asking, he keeps asking if they've heard from Diane and wondering why she's not back yet and all of that. So that kind of goes to your point that she's said this because she knows it's going to prey on his mind the whole time. And then we have this part that I think I really enjoy this little inclusion because they could have just had Diane come in on her own and then they you know Sam pulls her into the office to talk but I like that they included Mm -hmm. this guy that she's with and she comes in and she's saying something like oh Rick you really came through and Sam is watching from the bar he jumps over the bar (laughs) and the guy is just helping Diane take her coat and Sam's grabbing him and Diane has to tell her that Rick was kind enough to drive to work when her car broke down (laughs) Sam is holding him by the guy by his lapels and he's like Thank you. Thank you. Like giving him a thank you shake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then Rick says he'll take a rain check on the drink. And then he says something about like, good luck in your marriage. And he's clearly a little frightened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Like, good luck on your marriage. <laughs> it was a great inclusion because it's, I mean, yeah, he's a little frightened, but it's also kind of, you know, his commentary on, oh, this you is, know, here yeah. we are. Supposedly, ostensibly, I just gave her a ride in a car. 
you're jealous. You just flew yourself over the bar and were about to assault uh-huh. me. You'll make this a great is- married <laughs> couple. You know, you've clearly got everything yeah. figured out, you know? I liked that I little did bit. Too. Very mm-hmm. knowing. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Sam pushes Diane into the office and asks where she was. And she says this bit about how she looked into the recesses of her heart and realized she had one oat left to be sewn. There are so many farming analogies in that this is, episode. Can yes, we just talk that's about true. That? I hadn't thought about we, that. We've called, we, we're sowing oats all yeah. over the place. Then we talked about Woody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, E-I-E-I-O and, tractor boy. and, and mm-hmm. tractor boy and everything. There's so much to do with farming. Right, there. that's true. And Woody is acting like a farm boy. I mean, I guess he sort of does all the time. But that is a good point. They have a lot of farming <laughs> lingo in the episode. <laughs> oh, man. Probably ones I'm not thinking of right now, too. Diane's grinning about this, the one last out. And Sam, kind of in this highbrow manner, asks, like, is that all you think about sex? Whatever happened to romance, to commitment? <laughs> yes. Um, it's... I thought this was really good. No, 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 Sorry no. to interrupt, but I thought this was really good because in a way, it's almost like a role reversal between mm-hmm. Sam and Diane, right? This would be lines that Diane would say in, in, in the past, talking about, it's all you ever think about sex, and then bemoaning uh, lack of faith, lack of trust in people. I, you feel like ordinarily Diane oh, would yeah. say something yeah. like that, right? And obvious, I think that's kind of what they were going for, but I enjoyed that role reversal where he's kind of the insecure one yeah. that's talking about the emotions and she's over here like what right. what i do you know right yeah that's true that's true <laughs> that was fun i think it's funny coming from sam but there's a little something i don't know if it predictable is the right word but it, maybe it just reminds me of previous episode i want to say there was something like that when he's like how she's using him and she's kind of laughing i think it's the one it's really early on but i think it's the one when she was going to work somewhere else because her relationship with Sam was interfering with the job do you remember that mm-hmm. and then like the mm-hmm. her would be employer was on the phone and asked Sam if he'd seen her naked or something like that and so they're in the office and Diane's yes. like i'm you know i'm only working here because of this sort of like sexual attraction or whatever and then sam's like well what about me you know like it's clear you're just using me for that <laughs> so it was kind of a replay of that in a way i think but i thought oh, i still that's think true. it was funny. That's true and he mentions that diane <laughs> i thought this was actually the funniest part it's like you haven't even changed your dress <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's her exactly dad. you know that's saying something like that. uh-huh yeah. Right, right. And she says she's wearing the dress because she likes it. And then he admits he had the same. And he's still kind of in that haughty, like offended tone. He does a good job with that. Mm-hmm. He said he says the same 24 hours that she did. And he didn't do anything because he's a one woman guy and he didn't want to cheap it in what they had going. You know, he's just going on about it. But unlike somebody else I could mention. And then he says, <laughs> he's like, you know, people could refer to you as a tart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it is really good. Tart, 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 tart. tart, tart. <laughs> it, I, it's a, it's a funny word. It's such an old timey mm-hmm. word too. You know, we don't. That's not normally something you would call women. No, now I don't even I think guess. in the eighties. I know it was this was a while ago, but call a woman. You know, right, old fashioned then. It's tart. But I like it coming from him. I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. And what else would you call somebody that didn't go home? But again, it's like they're in the nineteen fifties. It's like Sam has reverted back to some more innocent time in his life or something. So Sam says he spent the night watching her apartment from his car and you did not go home. <laughs> you know, he's almost upset about it. And she mm-hmm. says he had a catnap around six. She was down the street in her car watching him watch her. And he's like, oh my God, you spied on me. 
he's fine. I love this bit. See, and this is what I, this is the thing where you almost feel like I could see this so easily going, again, the role reversal. Diane is accusing him of spying. Yeah. Some, some completely irrational Like her flying off a handle about it. And so yeah. I don't know. That whole thing adds layers to mm-hmm. me in terms of how much I enjoyed it. Like, I just see that. You know yes. what I mean? And Because he's going to get, like, what happened to faith, what happened to trust, like, all these ideals that she usually mm-hmm. espouses. And so she's saying that she suspected that he wouldn't gallop on about during the 24 hours of sexual carte blanche that she granted him. She suspected as much. And then Sam laments that he's a poor excuse for a stud. And then we get to the five minutes that they have left in their deal. So he jumps up. I like this part a lot. He jumps up and runs out, runs out of the office. And Diane runs after him. And when she opens the door and he's like just leaning in the door jam laughing. I really like that. That was just so playful and teasing yeah. and fun. I really like that. Mm-hmm. And then Me he too. just chases around the office and out the door. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fun ending. What other thoughts do you have? Uh, well, I'm very eager to hear what you give this episode because we talked a little bit about yeah. it before. And I think we're going to differ probably pretty strongly on this. And I'm so enjoying it. I know. <laughs> but I, in talking to you, though, like I feel like my my estimation of the entire episode has improved because before I really liked the build up in the bar, the whole thing with the party, like all the carry on about the cake and you know, like norms, <laughs> it'll spoil if you don't shut up. Like all of that. I like that was great. But the entire Sam and Diane part, I thought the part looking at the wedding, you know, that all of that about the wedding supplies, you know, having to look at the China and the, the fingertip towels and all of that. I thought it was amusing, but it was just kind of a little bit more of the sort of like the back and forth Sam and Diane, predictably kind of annoying. I don't know, like funny, but annoying. And then the part in the office, I don't know. I appreciate it. I guess that's the part I appreciate more from our conversation because it was not something I really enjoyed before, even though I thought parts of it were funny with Sam's manner and all of that. This last ending bit, you mean, after the 24 hours Yes. Yeah, the entire last scene in the office was not something Mm -hmm. that I really... Well, the entire, like all of the the parts in the office, the entire setup and then the last scene, I didn't appreciate as much. Mm -hmm. And like I said, like I've warmed to it a little bit more. I mean, I thought they did a good job with it. It's just Mm -hmm. not something I particularly enjoyed and it wasn't a story that I thought was all of that creative. Mm -hmm. And I still don't think it's fabulous, but I appreciate what they did with what they had. No, I agree with you. It's not super creative because it does seem like, I don't know, it kind of seems like, oh, well, yeah, no, uh, duh, they would naturally have this episode where, you know, Sam is just now wrapping his head around the fact that he's not going to be a Playboy bachelor Mm -hmm. and he runs his mouth, gets himself in trouble. It it does, it seems a bit predictable that way. I completely agree with that. And back to our earlier conversation about is this at all something, A, realistic, B, a good idea for the two of them? And no, it's not a good idea. But I like how it ends with neither of them doing anything yeah because sam his jealousy prevented him and whatever you want to say on that so what would you give this uh out of our star rating i am gonna go ahead and give it a three i was leaning towards a two okay like high Hmm. two but i was leaning toward a two i'm gonna give it somewhere in the three range okay just because I, I think that the the first part of it, and another thing that's like not necessarily germane to that main storyline, but I do like the the bits with Fraser, Fraser and Woody teaser, and just Fraser's expression yeah. in that early part of the episode, and then of course Norm. Some of Cliff comments, Cliff's comments are funny. Carla's whole like you said cheerleading part for Sam, I think is a I think that's a better part for her in the story than the whole traffic school thing, which was fine. Like that's just something mm-hmm. that's going on, but like I said, it didn't really do much as a story on its own 
Right. No. I, I guess didn't. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from the supporting characters outside of the Sam and Diane parts, you know, in the second half. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they would have incorporated that, but I think that would have improved it more for me because I liked that in the first part. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd still, I'd, I'd say a, a three. Yeah. No, I think a three is very fair. I mean, because the episode, in a way, you know, it, it there it's very clear cut, like act one, act mm-hmm. two. And I don't feel like most episodes are that, there's not that clear dividing line. Part one, while very strong, does, in my opinion, meander okay. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not quite exactly sure because it's all about, oh, they're planning a wedding. Oh, we're going to have a bachelor party. And then when that goes the way it goes, then you have this 24-hour... Right free for all that kind of I don't want to say it comes out of nowhere but it does kind of seem like it's very abruptly brought yeah. up yeah, by Diane true. and then and then you have it she proposes it she leaves they're gone this and and we're back the 24 hours were mm-hmm. done like that and obviously we're not going to like have a lot but it almost seemed like they just kind of shoehorned that bit in and we could have drawn it out more of the episode it just seemed like it was brought in and brought out so quickly to me I thought mm. That's one little criticism I have of it, but I'm going to go ahead and give this a four because I, I I just can't get around. I just find it really fun. I find it really playful. It's not the most realistic in terms of like our conversation was, but, and we certainly could stand to see some more um, from some of the side characters. They didn't do anything real risky or different Mm -hmm. here. It was kind of by the numbers, but I guess in light of, okay, they're getting married. It's going to really happen for real this time. They're together, right? You know, it seemed like an episode that you almost needed to have this whole addressing his playboy past and the fact that, okay, are you really ready to settle down? And do you know what that means? Because are you ready for it? I mean, they couldn't have, well, I mean, the writers and the cast knew this at the time. I was going to say just as a story, I don't know that it was known how well it was known at this time, but I think given the way that this progresses, it makes sense because it's not just they're addressing that Sam is a playboy, but it's sort of the way that it ends up working out at the end of the season, which is really no secret, <laughs> you know, historically. Right, 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 right. It's kind right, of yeah. like all of these things are like, can't you see that this is the way that it's going to go? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I don't think it's that people, I don't know. I wonder if viewers at the time would think like, okay, this is really not going to work out. And so all along, they're sort of... I feel like a certain point in season five, they're sort of showing the ways, like it's comedy, but they're sort of showing the ways this is really not tenable. And that could mm-hmm. just be my mm-hmm. bias on the relationship too. But I don't know what I would think if I were, I start, cause I started watching it probably like either right around this time or at the very end of the season, from what I recall from way back then as a child. So I would have had a different perspective probably than an adult, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just, I've never thought otherwise other than like this, they're kind of, they're sowing the seeds of this not working out. Well, let me ask you, cause, and I don't know the answer to this, but this is episode 18. So this was the spring time. Did we know, did everybody know that Shelley Long wasn't coming back? Oh, yeah. Was that public yeah. knowledge? Oh, I don't know if it was point? public knowledge. I know that, I mean, I think she, I don't know if it was the beginning. I should go back and look this up. I don't know if it was the beginning of season five or somewhere in that first half of season five, but 
somewhere before the mid, I mean, in plenty of time, she let them okay. know that she was leaving at the end of her contract at the end of the so, season. So this episode so was, sudden. this would have been written with, with the writers knowing that she's not I would imagine back. so, because I remember that reading happens. that they had started auditioning people to be the new character. There was something about like them meeting Kirstie Alley in November. I just, I don't know why I remember that. So it would have probably been... Hmm. I assume it was in the fall or sometime that they knew for sure. So they probably they had preparation time to kind of work that right. out. I don't know like at what episode that happened though, but I would imagine that this one, if it was in February, probably was written with that knowledge. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's interesting because, well, it's one thing for the writers and the crew, everybody to know, Hey, this isn't going to, you know, she's not coming back. It's another for the, 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 the audience. TV audience, yeah. right? If, if, people watching this episode are thinking, oh, well, TV Guide reported last week that she's yeah. not coming back. So this is not going to go. It frames it, it differently depending on if they knew or not. Cause, and I, I didn't think about if at this point in time it was, if it works like it does today where you know something right. well in advance. Right. It's public knowledge. Almost you can't hide anything. It's always leaked. Whereas back then maybe she told them and it wasn't. But again, I don't. I just think it makes a difference, I guess, in terms of how you interpret what yeah. happens. Yeah, I mean, I think by the time the, the end of the season rolls around, people knew that she was leaving mm-hmm. the show. Right. I mean, before the last... I think that people knew that that was her final episode. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, right. oh, she, she, she's leaving. Sure. <laughs> I think that we went right. into that. Right, no, they would have known by then, absolutely. Shelley Long was leaving after right. that. But yeah, I don't remember right. when it became sort of common knowledge. And I mean, this is the other thing. I don't know. In some ways, it's interesting, I think, to interpret these this last run of episodes in light of that and what's going on sort of in their lives in the real world. But at the same time, maybe they really didn't write it to that. And if she had stayed and they got married or whatever happened, then that would have been the same sort of thing. And it would have just created more conflict in the marriage. So, you know, you can't just say it's because of that, but I do think it's a little bit interesting to no. look at it in that lens. But yeah, I, I thought it was a fun, fun enough mm-hmm. episode kind of by the numbers, right. but yeah, I enjoyed it. And I like them having fun at the end. I think there are few times when we see Sam and Diane actually enjoying each other. Any other things to mention? I think that'll do it for me. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.